Welcome to Ladies Who Launch, not your average business podcast. Dropping every other Wednesday, Alyssa and Dakota are two successful and opinionated marketing entrepreneurs engaging in insightful conversations with industry thought leaders, as well as casual conversations surrounding our lives as entrepreneurs. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. Alyssa and I are coming to you from sunny Calgary, Alberta on this lovely Friday morning. How are you, Alyssa? I am fantastic. It is, it's funny how we're already in July. I don't think anybody, I don't know how we got to July, but it's like the mood hold changes. Like I just feel like a whole new person going into the summer. It's funny. I will say though that, um, Friday mornings are, are um, mowing and weed whacking for the condo complex. So if uh, things get out of control with the, the the dudes outside, I'll go close the window because welcome to Friday. Because we're still doing this. Yeah, we're still doing this via Zoom. We could be in person, but uh, yeah, we're still doing this via Zoom. So it's all good. Um, well, we are really excited today to bring you a very exciting guest. Uh, we've got Julie Shipley Strickland on today. Um, Julie is a local Calgary entrepreneur and financial expert. She's the founder of Julie Shipley Strickland Wealth and Risk Management. And with a family legacy in finances, she's got over a decade of experience and empowers clients to make confident financial decisions about building and preserving their wealth. So we're very excited to talk with Julie with the reopening of the economy and yeah, we're kind of we're excited to ask her lots of questions about finances. Welcome Julie. Thank you. Thanks for the intro. I'm so happy to be here ladies. Thanks for inviting me. We are so excited and I will even though people can't see you're just listening but Dakota and I literally look like we fell out of bed and Julie looks like she stepped off a fashion <laughs> runway. And has the full hair and beautiful this morning with her beautiful background. And yeah, so clearly Dakota and I need um, not only money assistance, but just general life assistance to to be like Julie. So I'm just going to say that already I'm a huge fan. Isn't that us though? (laughs) Yes. I feel like that's just us. That's our MO. (laughs) But you look amazing. I love your whole office um, space. Yeah. You're clearly girl goals. That's all just, I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Agree. Agree. So excited to chat with you you guys today. It's going to be awesome. Well, hopefully we, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, let's like lower the bar. Our last episode was a, (laughs) no, our, our last episode was a mishmash of us. Just like, we're not really sure what we're talking about. But we're leaving on vacation. We're we're kind of lazy. But honestly, it was kind of one of my favorite episodes, Alyssa. Yeah, I like Our when we sort of go one. off the rails. Anyway. So I mean, we've pre-warned Julie that we may go off the rails, and but um, she will continue to be awesome. Yeah. We will just look ridiculous, and that's just how things go on this podcast. <laughs> that's that's our that's our thing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Anyway. But anyway, um, Julie. I have a really um, like interesting question to kick the conversation off before we dive into kind of who you are and how you got started and and all things business. Um, I would love to know just what trends you're seeing in your industry with the reopening of the world. And 
kind of like where you're at post the pandemic oh, with clients I, and what you're kind of I was Dakota I feel like that's a loaded question <laughs> where am I so personally my family is doing great which for anyone that knows me as long as my two kitties and my hubs are doing wonderful I'm great um so with some normalcy coming back to the city of Calgary and the province of Alberta and even, you know hopefully all parts of Canada soon um you know normal if we can call it that is on the horizon which is exciting work-wise um you know this is this pandemic threw everyone on on all fronts but I really don't think people thought the end of March of 2020 cool the stock market's going to do great over the next 12 months so that's really thrown people for a loop it's been very exciting investing um it's been an awesome landscape to do that several industries that maybe we're a little bit less predictable, have really shined. So that's been exciting to see. Um, and there's kind of this trepidation of, you know, what's next, right? Stock market plummeted, now has gone, you know, back up at a, you know, not rocket ship, but close to rocket ship angle. So now what? So I think there's, you know, we can, I think we'll get into some of that today, but it, it's a really... Um, it's been really interesting the past year, but I think going forward, it's going to be really interesting as well. Uh, absolutely. Um, so Julie, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you got started and and when you started your business and um, kind of where you're at right now, like in terms of the types of clients you're working with, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I started the business in probably the, the last major recession before, uh, <laughs> before this one. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. August of 2008, that's a great time to start in the wealth business when the stock market's tanked. Right. Yeah. Um, so started heavily on the insurance side. Uh, born and raised in Montreal. Um, go Hubs, go. I know. Go. I, I can't even talk about it. I mean, I'm so upset for Carrie Price. I can't even deal, but we can discuss yeah, that later. Go with you. Ugh, I know. Um, but bless the Hubs. They, they had an amazing run. So mm. pumped them. So happy for them. Um, so born and raised in Montreal, moved to Calgary in 06 and started this business in 08, but heavily on the insurance side, because that's the side my dad was on. Um, moved over to Burke Tavern Associates, where I am currently in 2014. Um, and then in 2019, we joined Wellington Altus Private Wealth. And that's where we really started to focus on our wealth side of the business. And I really started to focus on that. Um, and then in 2020, I rebranded and launched Julie Shipley Strickland Wealth and Risk Management. So that's kind of been the, you know, the step-by-step trajectory. Um, the wealth business has has been such an exciting part of my business over the past couple of years. Um, you know, I, I dabbled in it before then, but I'm really two feet in it in the past two and a half years. And I absolutely love it. Building wealth for clients is so exciting. It's, you know, people are, people get excited about it. They're passionate about it. They want to see their, their money grow. They want to see their goals accomplished on that front. Um, so it's fun to be part of. It's and it's a real pleasure to be honest. I love what I do. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. Do you work? That's amazing. Do you do work? I have- I mean, no, do I work? Sorry, I was gonna finish. Do I work? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I'm like, do you work mainly with women, or like, what is your sort of um, 
threshold? Because I know some wealth managers and things only will deal with people with this amount of money or yeah. only want to deal in in this this industry or so how do you sort of define who you work with and 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 um and why? Yeah, beautiful question. I love that. I'm a big connection person. I'm a big relationships person. So we need to really get along. We have to have the same values. We've got to really align in order for me. I'm at my best when that aligns. So I tend to gravitate towards female entrepreneurs. Um, I do have a lot of female executives as clients as well. Um, obviously, they're partners. And then working with families uh, is, is one of my favorites. Um, and then I've got this beautiful niche that I love to, to work in and create is my retirees because they've got a separate um, set of circumstances that's really exciting to see to come to fruition. Um, but I will say my business has morphed into really, you know, my newer clientele is definitely female entrepreneurs. Um, love supporting them, love seeing what they're accomplishing, love hearing about their business. Gosh darn, they're doing so many cool things. They're changing the world. Like it's going to be phenomenal. I love we try. We <laughs> <I> try. <laughs> the ideas, the creativity, the passion they have behind their businesses is unbelievable. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. I can just like feel the passion in your voice. That's mm. great. I feel the same way about my clients, Julie. Um, I've got quite a few as well that I truly... Be- well, they are changing the world for the better. Um, and it's, it's such a pleasure to amplify that and tell their story. 100%. I love that. So in terms of um, the type of advice you would give to like someone like Alyssa and I, like how would you work with someone like like people like Alyssa and I, as far as like being entrepreneurs that have smaller businesses, smaller consultancies, like teams of like, you know, anyone from one to five people? Yeah, 100%. So we, you know, we touched on this a little bit first, right? I think the biggest thing that I try to... to I, I guess maybe there's two things that I really try and instill in clients. One, let's get you educated, right? Financial literacy and understanding what all these acronyms and these cool words and this fun lingo means is essential. I'm actually building an online course around it and some modules around it um, because I really think it's an essential thing. One area that I'm finding is that so many of my clients have heard of a TFSA or have heard of an RSP, but don't know how that fits into their personal situation, right? So I think it's Mm -hmm. debunking. One of these, this lingo and saying, hey, this is what it means. This is what it can do for you. And this is how it fits for you. Because all these investment vehicles are great. But if you can't use them for you, then they're not, they're not serving you, right? So I, I think that's a really yeah. big question. I found, I mean, I mean, talking about TFSA and RSP, um, I sort of fell into the, the, the well a little bit because I had been contributing to a TF. I mean, I still contribute to TFSA and RSP, but I was putting more of the money into a TFSA because I wanted the flexibility. But then you, when you do your taxes, you realize you don't get the tax break. And so I had to sort of go back and reevaluate like from a business and personal perspective. It's like, no, I need the tax break now, um, not later. So even like, so I don't think people totally understand that either. And they hear TFSA and it's like, oh, well, that's great because it's tax-free money and it provides more flexibility. But if you're making more money now and you're in a higher tax bracket, you, you kind of want to take the, the RRSP tax break now because when you take it out later, you'll be making less money. So I think there's even some 
misunderstanding between like those two things aside from even just doing stocks and stuff. That's a perfect example, isn't it? Like a perfect example, right? Everyone says I should have a TFSA, so I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And then you you do it and it's great. Tax free. Mm-hmm. And then you get your tax bill and you're like, whoa, 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 what happened here? Yeah. Right? So that's exactly what I mean. My first point of like, it's got to really fit in with you and your personal situation and your family situation, your working, your partner's situation, right? So there's all of that to consider when we're looking at these investment vehicles. Um, so I, I think that's hugely important and a beautiful example. I love that. Yeah. Perfect yeah. yeah. I'm going to go off the rails for, for a minute here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then, I, then there's people like me who, um, when I look at my investment portfolio and my goals, I've taken a very different approach. And I would actually eventually love to hire someone like you, Julie, to kind of take a look at everything. Because currently, I get all my advice from my accountant for the most part. But I have a corporation. And the reason I have a corporation is because I originally went into business with someone else. And so that was just kind of the way the cookie crumbled. And now I've got a bit of a different situation than most entrepreneurs who generally are just registered. Um, And I honestly... Just every time I've dealt with an RSP, have not liked a feeling locked in. Mm-hmm. So I've chosen to keep as much money as I can in my company. And that's kind of more or less my retirement strategy as well as when I go to buy um, a home over the next couple of years here. That's been my strategy as well. But that being said, there's been lots of different roadblocks and learnings along the way, such as am I going to pay myself a salary or in dividends? And... Uh, when I go to remove a bulk sum of money, either you know on a monthly basis or all at once, what what are the tax implications? And I still definitely am in the weeds around like, well, should I be investing in T bills? Like, what kind of investments should I be making within my business? Should they be low risk, high risk? And it's it's been an interesting ride um, getting to this point. Uh, like, I'm hitting year five of my business, and we've done quite well. And so now I'm starting to ask those questions. So. What kind of advice would you give someone like me who's like a bit of a mishmash and you know like ha- has some capital to play with but hasn't yet done things with it but doesn't want to be locked into the traditional uh, tax rebate um, things like RSPs and TFSAs? First piece of advice: Let's sit down and have a conversation. <laughs> okay. And your business and your business Dominates. isn't your retirement fund. Dominates. People say that all the time. It's like, oh, I'm leaving my money in my business. It's my retirement fund. It's like, no, it isn't. You can't so leave really? your money. Yeah. There's well, there's an interesting discrepancy because I agree with you, Alyssa. Your business shouldn't be, you know, so many entrepreneurs sit back and go, okay, I'm gonna keep reinvesting in my business. All my Which income. is good. I mean, great for a certain point and to build yeah. your business hundred percent. But again, old adapt, all your eggs in one basket, right? So, so then that doesn't that doesn't work either. I mean, we know that we're not supposed to do that for finance. I mean, for anything in life, right? So that doesn't fit either. I get that comment, Dakota, often where entrepreneurs, especially, are just like, "Hey, I do not like being locked in. I might get a cool opportunity. I might want to, you know, invest in a friend's business. I might want to support this. Like, I I, I don't want all my funds locked in." So, a few points. Um, one within your corporation you can have an investment account. And so this is how I support my entrepreneurs in one very big way that we work together on is we have an investment account within the corporation. So one, not restrictive, not locked in, you can access the cash. But two, that is capital that is taxed within your corporation 
at, you know, let's say, depending on where you live in Canada, 14 to 24%, as opposed to personally, which, you know, currently, I believe in five provinces, you're taxed over 50%, right? So very big discrepancy there in taxation. And so a lot of my entrepreneurs do the same as you. They leave their investments in their corporation, but they're housed within an investment in their corporation. So Alyssa, like you were saying, it's not, you know, that your business is your retirement. It's an investment account that's within your business. And yeah, sure, we have to make sure that, you know, legalities are set up properly. You know, there's insurance for, you know, you don't want to be sued or anything like this and and those funds be liable. But there's ways you can set that up. So that's definitely an area that I support my clients in quite heavily, especially entrepreneurs, because it really fits well. Kind is of that losses. Cool. Is that what they call a holding company? No. So a holding company is a different form of corporation. Okay. 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 So you have an operating company, hashtag opco, and that is, you know, your constant revenue and expenses and, and you know, your salaries and everything's paid out of that. Your holding company, how it's usually set up, I don't even know if I should say usually, but how it's often set up maybe, is that a holding company owns the shares of the operating company, okay? And there's tax rules between the two, but one in the same revenues can be flowed from your operating company to your holding company uh, in the the ownership structure, um, as long as the ownership structure is set up properly. Um, And so that allows entrepreneurs to sometimes invest or do different things within their holding company, shelters the money a little bit more. So I do have entrepreneurs that are set up that way. Yeah. Okay. That's Great interesting. Question. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Julie, can, can, can you clarify what a prof corp is? Oh yeah. Isn't that a fun one? So a prof corp stands for a professional corporation and there's certain, um, under tax guidelines, there's certain, um, how do I say this properly? Industries or uh, job titles that need to have a prof corp. Your chiropractors are a great example. Your dentists are a great example. Your doctors are a great example. There's taxation and certain rules within these um, professional designations that they have to follow. Um, and so it's only certain industries that need to have prof corps. Yeah, not all of us need to have them. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a common. I've act. definitely been in this situation. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely been in this situation in the past when I was married. Um, my ex and I kind of had an amalgamation of our companies, and we had like a hold co and, and all that kind of stuff. And but now that I'm solo um, and have all my own stuff, uh, I think it could be refined for sure. Which is why I'm really excited that you exist. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a when you're an entrepreneur and. Um, and I am not incorporated and there was tax reasons for that, mm-hmm. um, especially when I started my business six years ago and they were considering changing the, the tax regulations around corporations and not being able to keep your money. So I was like, forget it. I don't have staff, so it's not relevant to me right now. So, but I think there's a huge, when people, especially with women, like if we talk for all women, there's a very difficult and sort of scary and 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 overwhelming feeling of talking about finances and even just talking about your personal finances then you start a business and then things get looked at like so when you're when you have your separate business accounts and and things like that but yet you're still um there's still you're still looked at as one entity whether you're separate or corporate and i think 
there's still a, even with me, like, especially going through COVID and, and as a consultant, and it was so up and down through COVID and things like that, that it's, it's, there's still such a stigma in talking about your finances and where things are. And, and I know p- people have had real struggles this year and personal debt has piled up or, or, or they've had to take money out of their corporation or RSPs. And so talk a little bit of, if you could talk a little bit about how to, to get people to just start talking about finance and like going to see someone like you, Julie, or even just talking to your friends or family about your struggles or that you need help because there's, I think there's so many people right now that need help or need access to money, but don't want to ask or don't feel or feel like a failure on, on many levels. Cause maybe their business had to close or wasn't doing well. And I think it's just a really hard time for people right now in talking about where they are with personal or, and business finances. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's money is, has always been this taboo subject, right? In so many ways, we're not supposed to talk about it. We're supposed to have all the answers and all the knowledge And somehow, even though it has nothing to do with our craft or our specialty or what what we do day to day, we're supposed to be all in the know and all up to date. And I found that fascinating as I've gone through, you know, beginning parts of my career here, how that's just how money has been established, how we've all grown up with it. I think the biggest thing is, yeah, we've got to communicate about it, but we also have to be open to learning about it. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a really interesting part of our society because as we're opening up and people are getting more vulnerable and more comfortable. And I would argue to say that social media has helped that in a lot of ways, you know, money is still this thing over here that, that people don't talk about it and they get very, um, you know, either closed up or they're supposed to know how, when I sit down with a client, that's the exact opposite. I'm here to educate you. I'm here to hear about what you want to do with your money, maybe some of the struggles you've had and how we can work through those together. Um, but there's no need to come in and there shouldn't be when you sit down with an investment associate for you to know that's their job. They're supposed to be able to educate you on certain areas that you want to learn about, right? Or should I say that that's my belief and that's my practice, right? I, I believe that educating, because then you have all the information and you're able to make the decision that's best for you. So I think part of that education is learning about people's financial landscape and where they're at currently, right? What has led you to where you are right now? And Dakota, you were touching on that, you know, you had a hold go and, and married and all of that has, you know, been stepping stones to get you to where you are right now. So let's paint uh-huh. that and let's see where you're at, but then let's also uh-huh. use that to propel you forward and to achieve some of those goals. So I think it's the mirror of both. You need that history to be able to go forward. Oh, absolutely. Or if you're just getting started as well. I I think honestly, for our listeners, hiring somebody like Julie or just hiring Julie, um, even when you're starting a business, I think is is crucial and essential. You know, like when you're doing all your branding work and your comms work, all the stuff that Alyssa and I preach that you should have prior to getting started, having your finances and your um, investment in your company sorted out prior to launching, I think is really important. I think it's huge. It's, you know, it's just as important as so many other aspects. But you know, you wouldn't go into business and start without a bookkeeper or an accountant or somebody who would help you with salary versus dividends, you know, tax planning, this sort of thing, right? And I think my industry really needs to take a, a you know, we need to get better at being an essential person to refer to an entrepreneur's 
you know, circle, right? Their lawyer, their bookkeeper, their accountant, their investment associate, financial planner. That needs to be, we need to be at the table for those discussions because we do a different craft than most other areas. It's important. Absolutely. Julie, how does, um, in terms of like kicking off with you versus maintenance, like what do some of your services look like? If So for instance, let's just use you and I as a case study. Would we sit down, kind of have a big discovery session, work through some things almost like counselor style, life coach style, but you know, in the finance realm of things. And then would I hook up with you every now and again for maintenance? Or is it like, how does, how does it work with you? You, you pretty much nailed it. And this is such an interesting time because I'm just about to go through a series on my social media exactly to answer that question for the next few months, just to educate people on my process and what a good process with an investment associate should look like. And so to go to your exactly right, I mean, our first meeting is kind of a sit down, um, you know, let's get to know each other. Let's make sure we can work well together. You know, let me know your struggles. Let me know where your, where your goals are, what your values are, where you want to be. Okay. Our second meeting is really big into fact finding. I want to know the nitty gritty. I want to get into the nooks and crannies. Why did you make this decision? How are you? How did you reach this? Why did you build a hold call? Why did you start your business? I want to find out all of that about you. And then we progress from there in terms of you know insurance, investment planning. But like anything, the products we put in place or the stocks we buy or the T-bills we buy or whatnot is simply to, to satisfy that that the, the goals that you have and the things you want to accomplish, right? So, and then from there, you're exactly right. We would go into to a sort of maintenance, right? Because our lives evolve and the goals we have in 2021 are, might change in 2023 or 2025 or whatnot, right? So we do kind of a maintenance where we're constantly checking in. In there, I also do some financial coaching. Um, so if if clients need, you know, they're working on buying another business or they, they want to expand something, or we can sit down and do some some financial coaching in there to support clients so that they've got all the information to make make the right decision. If you oh my gosh, that's amazing. And from <laughs> and from that discussion, because I think, I mean, I'm just gonna speak for me personally. I've been through a few different financial planners, and um I think. I mean, and this is nothing against you, Julie, but I think that whole industry needs better oversight in who and who and what is a financial planner because I'm sorry, but some of the people I've gone through have been frigging awful. But putting that aside, um, finding, and, and you've sort of clarified that finding the right person and having that connection is key because it is a lot of intimate questions and there is a lot of intimacy in terms of um, knowing about you. But I find that, and it sort of goes back to my, previous question about people feeling uncomfortable talking about money. I find that with our age group and and you get into your thirties or whatever, and people are very um, uncomfortable or disappointed or scared in the fact they haven't been contributing to investments or saving or anything. So sometimes I think um, people feel that, oh, it's too late for me. Like, oh, um, you need to do this in your twenties. So I'm like 35 now and oh my God, I haven't or I have a small pension or something. I got some investments from my job that I had 10 years ago or something. But can you just sort of walk through that? Like that it doesn't matter. You don't have to be 22 to start investing and saving and that you can make a plan no matter where you are in your life. hundred percent. I mean, not to scare anyone, but I've got 50 year olds. 
that are have reinvested everything back in their business and or switched jobs and or been through a life, you know, a divorce yeah. or an illness or whatever, and they're kind of restarting or they're starting. There's always a way. It's one of one of my biggest mandates is to just start. I, I constantly get the question, this ties into it super well, is like, how much do how much do I need to have saved to start saving? Uh nope, nope, nope. Fifty dollars, hundred dollars. But just start, right? Get in the habit of putting money aside. We were talking about this before we sat, before we started this discussion about pay yourself first, right? It's so important to get in the habit of paying yourself first. Because if you're starting at 25 at $100 a month, sure, at 35 and I don't know the exact math, maybe you need $200 a month. But at 35 if you start with $100 a month, probably means by 38 you can jump up to that $200 a month. And then at 41, you can go to that $300 a month and progress from there, right? Baby steps. It's, it's, you've got a long career ahead of you. You've got a long time before retirement. And side note to that, I know so many people who have no ambition of fully retiring. Ever. Yeah. What is retirement anymore anyway, right? Like, retirement that's, has changed completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when I started in the business, there was the guy jogging for Freedom 55. Right. right. Do we all remember this? And he was aging. So he was jogging. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. um, right. And he was yes. 25, yeah. 55 or one month. I know so many people who say, Julie, I'll never fully retire. I want to do something. I want yeah. to build this business or I'd like to help out. Or I, and I could tell you dozens of stories of clients who were senior executives, X, Y, Z, and they're still working in some capacity on a oh, board yeah. or some, doing something exciting. People love that. So yeah. this whole idea that you have to start at, 22, 28, not anymore, not at all. You can start when it suits you, but just start. Do something that's within your budget and get in that habit. I can't stress that enough. Compound interest, people. It adds up quickly. It does. Interest, interest. What a novel concept. I know. Love it. Now we're talking lingo. Yeah, now we're we're getting into the lingo. lingo. (laughs) Got that interest. Watch out. Get me. Here's a... Here's another one for you. Passive income. Um, Julie, do you also... Yes. This is something Alyssa and I are always interested in, obviously. Um, Julie, do you also kind of take a bit of a biz coaching standpoint with your clients? Like, you know, obviously not going outside of your laneway, but do you kind of also consult on you know, like things like passive income, like suggestions, like, oh, hey, Dakota, you could be doing this for passive income. You could create this for passive income. Like, is is that part of your um, skill set as well? It's really interesting you ask that. You know, passive income is is looked upon as so many different things, right? People say reoccurring revenue or people say, you know, a business that provides income and I'm not doing anything. Back to Alyssa asking me if I work. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I <laughs> I am not saying Dakota do interrupted. You really? I'm sorry. You <laughs> <are>? <laughs> what? Don't blame me. It's the Wi-Fi cutting out, right, guys? Yeah. Um. <laughs> my Wi-Fi actually is horrible today. Unless it was at first, I was like all sensey. I'm like, it's not my Wi-Fi. No, it is. It yeah, is. it is. I apologize. That's okay. It's always Dakota's fault. It's all my my fault. I'm Eeyore. (laughs) Woe is me. So good. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, Anyways, back to passive income. Passive income. Uh, Do I advise people on it? No, I wouldn't say that I sit in someone's business and say, okay, your business can generate this. I mean, if I see it, I'll give that suggestion for sure. 
Um, often the accountant takes that that position. I think my thing with passive income is working with the accountant to make sure that it's not taxed because passive income can be taxed depending on how it's coming in and what type of passive income can be taxed over 50%. So it's more of a tax planning strategy that we look at with clients. So I handle it from that angle. So I would say I'm aware of it. I'll suggest it if I see it and I'll work with your accountant to make sure that we're properly managing it. Those would be my areas of specialty around that. Yeah, sure. So really cool. Yeah. Well, Julie, this has been super cool and I'll be booking something with you immediately. Um, well, we I'm could talk for three excited. hours about this because, I mean, honestly, <laughs> we could. could. Yes. Oh, yeah. But we do have a couple of questions we like to ask our guests. Um, and I have a feeling I know the answer to this one, but I'll let you answer. Uh, what book are you reading right now? <laughs> Uh, well, what else are you reading right now that you want to share? Yes, I love that question. Two, um, I'm rereading the e myth, the entrepreneurial myth. And you know, I read it, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, and it didn't, it didn't sink in. And I'm rereading it, and it is mind blowing right now. Um, so wonderful book to dig into, business book for sure, but super interesting. Um, the second one, and I'm, I'm three pages from the end. Um, just dropped the ball by Tiffany Dufu. Um, what a gal. Oh, she is basically the book is about all in partnership. So with your partner, male or female, um, you know, how do you work together to be splitting the household, um, duties, the child rearing duties and both partners having big careers. Her and her husband have have mastered this, and she writes a book about it. It's unbelievable. So for any you know woman or man who's you know in a great position with their career and doing really well, but really needs that support at home, it's how to really have a beautiful partnership on the home front. And I've I've loved it. It's been phenomenal. And sorry, what was the title? One more time. We'll put it in the show notes, but just yeah. uh, for our listeners, just drop the ball. Just dropped the ball. Yeah, by Tiffany Dufu. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name oh, right. Yeah. I'm definitely pronouncing right the last name. Um, great gal in the US. Yeah. That sounds fabulous too. Yeah. It's been um, and who's in, who inspires you right now? Like currently, like who's been inspiring you? You know, over the past little while, it's been my two kiddos. They have been so over COVID. Yeah. I mean, my daughter's 10 and my little guy's six and they have been, you know, they're in this beautiful space right now of like the world's new. They don't lose their mind about everything and have meltdowns about everything. And they're excited and passionate and curious about everything. So it's this, this great balance. They've really weathered COVID well, but with some big, big up and downs. So it's nice to see them on the other side of it. And they've been, they've been my inspo. I'm taking some time this summer to just spend some time and, and hang out with them. They're so much fun. And, and uh, yeah, they're, they're my inspiration these days for sure. Six and 10. That is, those are such great ages. So like, great. like, yeah. When people say they want to freeze in time, their kids ages pick six and 10. They're unbelievable. Yeah. And so, you know, kudos to all kids through this. Cause man, kids have, have, have gone through it. Like they've had it rough. They've had it rough. This yeah. 18 months and uh, kids are 
to see kids being so resilient. I mean, my nephews have gone through it too. And, and at homeschooling and back at school with masks and the whole thing back and forth. I mean, go kids, man. They have rocked through they've, COVID. They've rocked it. Their perspective on things is so awesome. Yeah. They've done so well. And COVID has not been easy on them. No. So I agree with you. Go kids. They've been, they've been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Julie, thank you so much for joining us. We loved having you. And we'll put where you can find more information about Julie in our, our show notes. And be sure to tag her on social media. Thanks, yeah. ladies. I this has been conversation. Thank you. We love talking to kick-ass women. This has been so amazingly inspiring. And it's given me different ideas on my investments either um, as well. So um, that's so right? awesome. And I think you're... You should write a book. Speaking of books, I think the Julie Shipley oh, Strickland yes. book should come as Love well. To read that. Of, yeah. Yes. Let's read a book. That sounds fun. See? Look at, Look at me just telling everyone what to do. Write a book. <laughs> awesome. It is, Again, the, it is the Alyssa way. <laughs> it is. We love that about her. We love <laughs> that about her. Tell everyone so what to good. do. I love it. Anyway, thank you, Julie. Um, this has been amazing. And again, yeah, we'll get have all of uh, Julie's contact info in the show notes. And see you in a couple of weeks for the next episode of Ladies Who Launch. Thank you for listening to Ladies Who Launch. Join Dakota and Alyssa every second Wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. If you send us a question, we may answer it on a future episode. 